Thanks. That was quick. <laughs> My name is Bob. I'm an alcoholic and uh, zooming in from uh, east of Toronto. Uh, I'm one of the people that really likes Zoom a lot. And uh, um, I'm delighted to hear that uh, sec a lot of the secular meetings are going to continue uh, into the uh, when, when we return to some kind of normal. But, uh, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Mark for sending me the email to watch my language. Uh, you know, when Mark tells you to watch your language, you might have to take a look at that. And uh, AA is a lot about uh, self-examination inventory. And, uh, you know, I got to take a look at that one. So uh, <laughs> this is the point of the proceedings where you often will hear the speaker say, I really don't like doing this part of AA. And uh, I have to confess that for a lot of years, I loved it. And... Uh, you know, I've taken a look at that, and why did I like it so much? And, uh, you know, I was sober a little while and not really accomplishing much in the real world. But uh, I took a lot of pride in, uh, you know, as the time uh, racked up in AA without uh, drink and, you know, getting involved and uh, chairing some meetings and then being a speaker here and there. When you're in an area, I was in the east end of Toronto, and there's a lot of meetings there. And once they find out you're not shy, uh, people hear you speak at a group, and they ask you to come to their group, and you go on a little circuit for a while until they get sick of you. <laughs> and then you get tossed on the rubbish heap, and uh, uh, at some point, uh, they forget how bad you are, and they get you out again. And uh, uh, the other thing was um, uh, somebody gave me a tape and it was from we have a big convention in toronto uh 3000 to 3500 people attend and uh you know we bring up the famous american speakers and uh so somebody gave me a tape from uh clancy i of california who you know I, I probably liked him better when i knew less about him but he had a brilliant presentation. He was amusing, wonderfully articulate. Um, I think he expressed, uh, you know, some of the benefits of AA in, in a very simple type of way. And uh, at about two months sober, I decided, uh, I don't know if I want to still be sober, but I want to be that guy. And uh, I wanted to be that guy and going up and I thought that would be great and get up behind the microphone and entertain people. And, uh, you know, uh, I have a lot of fantasies. Uh, and uh, in my fantasies, the groupie that followed me today wouldn't have been Charles. It would have been you know, Scarlett Johansson or somebody, but you take what you can get. And uh, uh, so, yeah, so anyway, I start uh, the speaking tour in AA and uh, um, I was always disappointed. And, and for year after year, I don't know if that's perfectionism because I didn't work at it to get better. I just uh, wanted to be wonderful. And, uh, you know, there was no stay. And every time I would sit down, I would go, oh, you left this out. You left that out. And I, I got some good stories. Uh, and uh, anyway, what I learned over the years is people w wished I would have left more out. And uh, sometimes we, we have these big birthday celebrations where everybody gets up and talks about how the one year guy is, uh, you know, the cross between uh, Jesus and uh, 
you know, Mahatma Gandhi or whoever it is, and they've got the most wonderful program ever. And, you know, three months later, we're looking to see where they went. They went graduated is where they went. But uh, uh, so anyway, those meetings drag on. And when you're the speaker at that, uh, I did one a couple of years ago, and I spoke for eight minutes, and I got a standing ovation and raucous cheering. And I don't think it was that I was in such brilliant form, but they were just so delighted that I finished real quick. And that can be a little humbling. Uh, I had a, an experience that uh, took some of the magic off being a speaker. And uh, so after waiting 27 years, after hearing the Clancy tape for the first time, I got invited to speak at uh, the 2019 Ontario Regional Conference, a big Toronto conference I was talking about. And uh, I immediately went home and my brain went into the 100 mile an hour rehearsal thing. And then I'm thinking, the conference is 17 months away. You can't start rehearsing now. And so uh, I was able to shut that down. Anyway, 17 months later, I got up in the front of a room with 900 chairs and uh, a lot of them were empty because I was an advertised atheist speaking at a conventional AA conference and uh, not everybody likes that. Uh, so uh, anyway, I get up there to the microphone and, you know, 17 months after being asked and I'm thinking, I should have thought about this a little bit, and uh, I hadn't, and uh, so I, I was okay, I was less than brilliant, I was crushed, and uh, my ambitions to be an AA speaker took a real hit that day, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I consider myself a decent AA member, especially in the secular camp, and uh, you know, I started a secular group, I participate in both secular and conventional AA, we do a lot more secular uh, in the Zoom era, you know, I've sponsored people and I had sponsors and uh, why I started a secular group, me and another guy uh, about seven years ago, uh, it's possible to navigate through conventional AA into sobriety. I did it. Many other people have done it, but it's difficult. And, uh, you know, a lot of people come here and they go to the regular meeting and they get reassured that, uh, you know, we're spiritual, we're not religious. And then in my area, 90 something percent of the meetings close with the Lord's prayer. So, I, to me, those two things don't jive. If we were spiritual, not religious, we'd be a little more concerned about being more inclusive. And uh, when we started the secular meeting, uh, my partner and I are both sort of steps guys, and we believe in inventory and making amends. We think there's tremendous psychological benefit from a lot of the stuff. Uh, you know, the first thing I had to wrap my head around coming to AA was total abstinence. That seems a little bit extreme. And, uh, you know, if I could have managed some sort of, uh, uh, you know, controlled drinking of some sort, uh, I would have signed up for that. And uh, I tried it for a long time and uh, didn't work. And when I came to AA, I still wasn't completely convinced that, uh, that wasn't a workable plan if I could get my hands on some money and uh, get reemployed in the real world. And uh, uh, so we all come here uh, 
you know, there's some sort of disaster going on and the particulars aren't that important. I had employment problems. I had money problems. Uh, you know, I had relationship problems and, um, the money problems bothered me more than anything. Relationships, you have relationship problem, yeah, you can get a new relationship. I used to be devastatingly good looking when I was younger. So just uh, women would just kind of flock towards me and uh, uh, no, that's not true. But uh, and uh, but one thing about that, uh, you know, the, the younger people, newer people in my home group, and I, I've been sober since 1991, they cannot believe that I was a shy guy. And I was a shy guy. And when I've had six double vodkas, I'm not a shy guy anymore. And I like talking to pretty girls and I'm a, somehow become brilliant dancer. Uh, uh, I don't know, you just rub vodka in my legs and uh, I start boogieing. And uh, so... Part of the problem coming here is it's hardwired in my brain that alcohol uh, equals fun. And uh, even uh, at the end, when alcohol is equaling a lot of other things and bad side effects, there's still that remaining fantasy that alcohol is going to make things better. It's going to take my shyness away. It's going to make me bolder. It's going to make me more competent. When I'm nervous, it calms me down. And when I'm too calm, it perks me up. And I don't know how all that works, but it works for, worked for me. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the side effects, I would have just kept drinking and drank myself to death probably by now. Uh, you know, I quit smoking about 20 years ago, and if I wouldn't have quit drinking, I never would have done that. Uh, you know, when I was uh, drinking, I would smoke about three cigarettes at once. I, you know, keep lighting up more, you know, and uh, a couple burning in the ashtray and filters. And uh, when I came to AA, it was a big smoking zone, and there'd be a little sticker on one of the tables, no smoking, and the smoke would all drift over there. And, uh, you know, I felt sorry for those non-smokers, but uh, uh, I didn't come here with a lot of consideration for other people. I came here with a lot of consideration for me, and uh, that's changed a little bit. And, uh, you know, I got grumpy a few times in the past week, and I've been looking at that uh, because although I had reason to get grumpy and I'm always in the right, my default position is that I'm always right, you know, I responded with a grumpiness level that, uh, you know, was not warranted. And, uh, um, yeah, and I'd like to tie all that to the pandemic and a couple other things that are going wrong in a negative way. But uh, anyway, the good news, uh, things like that don't drive me to drink today. And at one time... Almost anything would drive me to drink. Going to a party would drive me to drink. Uh, coming home and being bored would drive me to drink. Watching a football game, how do you watch football without drinking? And, uh, you know, all these things are tied into my brain, and it takes a while for that to unwind, which is why I'm a big believer uh, you know, the book fundamentalists can't stand 90 meetings in 90 days. They say it's treatment center tripe. And uh, uh, the reality is, I think uh, I know a lot of people have been sober a long time. And most of them 
immerse themselves quite a bit into AA at the beginning. And I really mean more than a couple of months and maybe years. And uh, some of us continue to be involved. And, uh, uh, you know, um, there are times when business or relationships cause me to cut down uh, my AA participation, but I don't cut it down anywhere near zero. And, uh, and then other times, like in this pandemic, I'm doing more than I ever have because, uh, you know, we're, I'm not mixing and mingling in the real world as much as I normally would be. And I'm a sociable type of person uh, on the days I don't say fuck too much, Mark, uh, and put some people off. But uh, uh, yeah, so I miss that. And uh, I became something of a writer in, uh, in later life. And, uh, you know, I have not uh, set the world on fire as far as being an adult. Uh, for a person my age, I don't do all that much adulting, but I've done some interesting stuff. In my 40s, I went and became a PGA golf pro. That's kind of interesting. I'd always been a fairly high-level competitive golfer till drinking got too much in the way of that. And uh, one of the things that getting sober did was it got me back into golf and uh, eventually played some tournaments. And uh, anyway, I, I had uh, developed a scam of teaching golf without any credentials. And uh, I uh, eventually legitimized that and went and joined the PGA and uh yeah, I've really enjoyed I've taught kids, I've taught adults. And, uh, you know, in the 1980s, I wouldn't have been the person you would have put in charge of your kids. And today I do summer camps with groups of kids and uh, the kids like me because I'm the crazy old guy and uh, uh, I'm fun and, uh, um, you know, the grandpa type. But, uh, you know, I'm not uh, and, and it's all worked out OK and I've survived and, uh, you know, I haven't had a drink since 1991. And uh, uh, I don't know. It's funny how some things uh, when I was a drinker. I had a 10-year relationship and a seven-year relationship, uh, one with a drinker like me, who's now about 11 years sober in AA, and the other with a non-drinker uh, who died at the age of 50, you know, so life can be unfair sometimes. Uh, there's a young woman that smoked for a while, quit smoking at about age 24, lived a healthy lifestyle, uh, got cancer and died within a year at 50. And uh, that was long after we had split up, but uh, that had quite an effect on me. Uh, and I think as a result of being an AA member, uh, I care more about other people. And uh, that's a good thing on the whole, but sometimes it hurts. And, uh, you know, I was, I was talking at a meeting recently about you know, I used to dodge funerals. I, when I was a drinker, I would miss funerals that I should have been at. At other times, I would go, I would creep into the door, sign the guest book, find another drinker like me, wave goodbye to everybody, and off we would go. And, uh, you know, there were hospital visits I should have made and didn't do it. And, uh, and all because it's a bit awkward, you know, I don't like feeling awkward. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of circumstances in life that used to make me feel awkward. And 
some of those I was able to fix by drinking, and it was socially acceptable to fix some of those by drinking. Uh, if breakfast makes you feel awkward and you fix that by drinking, that's not so socially acceptable. So be careful of that. You might end up in AA where they take the drastic solution of no drinking at all. And uh, some bad news for the new folks, we even mean weekends. And, uh, yeah, so... Um, uh, I've had an interesting journey in, uh, uh, at the age of 65, I published an AA history book that's, uh, been fairly well received. And, uh, uh, through some miracle, we got, uh, Ernest Kurtz, a pretty famous, uh, AA author and, uh, William L. White, uh, who's written a lot about, uh, the history of addiction and, uh, those guys were kind of a team and they did the forward to the book. And, uh, uh, I've written two other books that are finished pretty much. And, uh, we'll try and get into publication. Uh, I hate all the technical stuff and I've been having some technical problems and kind of hiding from that a little bit. But, uh, anyway, within the next couple of months, uh, uh, I've written a very interesting book and you should all go out and buy 10 copies each because when the fundamentalists i've written a book about bill wilson it's biographical fiction and it's called the secret diaries of bill wilson and he confesses to a lot of stuff and so when the fundamentalists kill me uh which they will the value of these books is going to skyrocket. It's just going to be like art. When the famous artist dies, the paintings go way up in value, and you want to be the holder of about 10 copies of those books when that happens. Anyway, uh, I didn't say anything too brilliant today, but it, it was fun to come and be here and uh, be with you. Uh, I love the international and... Uh, uh, glad you guys are doing so well in Ireland. I, I asked, uh, my last name is Kennedy, and uh, my father, uh, before he died, my father was an AA guy, got sober in 1961, conventional AA, didn't care much either way about God. They said, get with God. He said, okay. And uh, his son was a little more belligerent. But um, yeah, so a long history in the AA, in the Kennedy family. So I asked uh, I asked my father before I died, I said, when did the Kennedys come from Ireland? He said, they didn't come from Ireland. They came from the United States. And that was the time of United Empire loyalists. So we go back a long way here. So uh, uh, if I come back over there, you might not treat me like a native citizen. We got a little... Uh, we got a little, I'll end with a little Irish joke that we tell in uh, Toronto. Uh, I heard a speaker one time, he gets up and he says, you know, I'm of Irish descent. And, uh, you know, the way we talk about Irish people, you'd think every person in Ireland was an alcoholic. And I visited Ireland recently, and I can guarantee you that they have non-alcoholics there. I met both of them. Thank you.